0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, a warm welcome and good morning. Welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. Voice of Islam Radio is broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Europe, presenting the true teachings of Islam here in the West. And you are listening to another episode of Breakfast Show. My name is Shahil Muni Munir Ahmad and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours. Alongside with Shahzeb Atar, alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.
1: Waalaikumsalam warahmatullahi s- wabarakatuh. Very warm welcome indeed.
0: Jazakallah. Thank you. It's always good to hear your very bright voice. I think your voice, like, kind of a wake-up call for everyone in the morning.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that, <laughs> especially now that the Days um, are, um, you know, our listeners would be aware. You know, the breakfast show is um, running from all the way from seven o'clock to nine o'clock. Um, we talk about an, ar- an array of things, um, but I think um, before we do jump into our segments, um, Brother should I perhaps a uh, look towards the news um, and see what's been happening in our morning papers.
0: Sure, I mean, uh, I mean you know, today I was looking at the news and um, mm. there's one thing, you know, which has come up quite often now is, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, it's about uh, Edwards. BBC presenter who's been hospitalised for mental health. Now what happened is that, um, you know, several newspapers are uh, saying that Edward's being named by his wife, Vicky Flint, as the person at the center of the BBC presenter scandal. The newspaper leads on Flynn's concern for her husband's mental health after he was accused of paying for explicit photos from a young person in a report by the Sun. Now, in a statement, Flynn said her husband was suffering serious mental health issues after he was admitted to hospital following the allegations. Now, in a bullet point breakdown of the story, the newspaper mentioned it was 20 years' struggle with severe depression. And even if you just go to meet Metro or Mirror, they are also, uh, co- uh, the headlines are also covering about the um, BBC, President Edwards, about his scandal. Shadeb, um, then, if you go to Guardian, um, Guardian speaks about uh, the conference uh, Ukraine had with the other NATO states. And they are willing to um, invite Ukraine into NATO as well after the war, after certain agreements. But they are uh, the guys also covered uh, about again about Edwards and the scandal. Um, furthermore, um, we see we know that uh, Boris Johnson had um, uh, told good news as well. Uh, I don't know if you have heard about it, but he has uh, he was blessed with his eight child yesterday, yes. which is Boy, I think. yeah, mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, it's eight, having eight children is very really difficult. Um and his name is Frank Uh Johnson. Um as you know, the polyprophet peace upon him said um an authority of especially a state authority, we we need to show respect towards them, so we also congratulate him for his newborn child. Um You know uh Shadib I just want to, you know yeah. uh I today I have to ask a favor to your listeners as well. Because, you know what, Um I hope just every everyone who's listening right now had a pleasant morning. And uh, right now, I don't know where they are. I don't know where our listeners are right now. Maybe they're driving. And if you're driving, the listeners, and if you're listening to the voice of Islam, right, you make sure you eyes, you keep your eyes on the road as well. But, Shadeb, I have a favor. You know, because we will talk about certain segments as well. We will talk about health as well. We will talk about language as well. And today I want to hear the voices of our listeners as well. I want to know what exercise they do in the morning or during the day, and what language they speak. I want to know about what ethnic group they are from. So, dear listeners, the number is o two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can tweet at the Voice of some UK. And Shahzad, f- uh, for our listeners, can you just explain or tell us what the two segments are we, uh, today?
1: Of course, yes. So. In our first segment, we'll be talking about yoga and Pilates uh, in the modern-day sports. Um, For many years, yoga and Pilates has often been associated with women as a recreational activity. However, contemporary sports, uh, people have turned um, their focus to these exercises in an attempt to improve and prolong their performance at the highest level. And some of the most famous athletes um, in their own sports have opted to take up yoga and mm. pilates for a number of different reasons. So, a very interesting um, topic, um, perhaps you know many people overlook. In our second segment, which will start around eight fifteen-ish, we'll be talking about how the brain wires itself to match your native language. Um, so, basically, the language we learn growing up seems leave a lasting biological imprint on our brains wiring patterns seem to reflect grammatical characteristics specific to different languages. So, you know, we'll be talking about um, what researchers have found um, with the example of German and Arabic native speakers. We'll be talking about various verses from within the Holy Quran, which signifies uh, language mm. as a means of communication, and understanding, um, and above all, um, you know, we'll try to find out how is it that um, you know our brain somewhat automatically wires itself to match our native language. So do stay tuned for the of today's program because it's a very interesting one. And like always, we'll have um, you know s- uh, some guest callers helping us also navigate and understand these topics in a greater length and in greater detail.
0: And Shadab, I believe you will also explain how health basically helps us to improve our spiritual condition and what impact the Arabic language has for us as Muslims, right?
1: Of course, yeah, because Arabic being the main language, um, you know, our scripture, the early Quran is written all in Arabic, so it has a huge significance for us as Muslims and indeed, On a wider scale, the Arabic language has been referred to as the mother of all languages Mm. because of the intricacies that lie within this language. Um, But yes, more of that to come for sure.
0: So dear listeners, if you have your breakfast right now, make sure you have your breakfast because it's it's not only the first meal uh, during the day, it's also the most important meal during the day. While having the breakfast, do me a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam radio, give us a call, the number is 208 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK, I want to know what exercise you do to keep uh, keep yourself healthy, or what language you speak. But uh, Shazit, before we go to our first segment, have a look on the weather, so today, it's said that it's a settled day for most with widespread patchy clouds, sunny spells, and light scattered showers. Sharper showers towards Northern Scotland, cloud and showy rain for the Northern island in the evening. And tonight, spells of showy rain across Northern Ireland, Southern Scotland and Northwestern England tonight, Variable able to cloud elsewhere with outbreaks of rain in the far Southwest in the early hours. Tomorrow, uh, windy conditions and rain will spread across Southern and Central areas, reaching Eastern England and Southern Scotland in the afternoon. Largely cloud for northern Scotland with showers, and during the weekend, dear listeners, Saturday will be a very unsettled and windy day with widespread showers that will be heavy and thundery for many. Sunday will, we, uh, Sunday will see variable cloud and further showers, mainly towards the north and west. Staying windy, a more settled day on Monday with sunny spells in the south and cloud and showers in the north, winds easing. So, dear listeners, if you are planning to go outside during the weekend make sure you have an umbrella with you as well. Um Chazé, uh, uh you know I often ask my co hosts or friends, what is the I just want to know from you. What is your favorite weather? What is your favorite month during the during the year?
1: I mean it has to be a summer for me at least. Um because not only um there's the heat feel very enjoyable mm-hmm. but also I think it's it's good for our, you know it's just very pleasant to um, to view really um, the sun's out you want to be out you want to be active I don't know it has an effect on our mental capabilities um, or at least personally it does um, whereas if it's you know the day that hours are short you know it's the winter months I don't know I feel like I'm in limbo um mm. Don't want to go out much but yeah it has to be the summer for me you know an excuse to have barbecues an excuse excuse to meet up with friends picnics and what have you i guess if you're sociable you'll love the sunlight um and perhaps you know, dare i say if you're not you you will perhaps um, like a different season
0: no exactly um so that, uh, because basically you know what uh, I have. There's a lot of things to tell, right? About we have the first segment as well. But before we come to the first segment as well, um, mm. is there some news to cover. Something. Oh really, yes, I have a
1: very interesting. Sure,
0: please,
1: it. please. Um, I'm sure our listeners will be aware. Of the incident, um, whereby 600 people died on a migrant boat,
0: hmm.
1: which sank in uh, in Greece.
0: It's very Every sad. It's very sad incident.
1: Yeah, um, two survivors have described how the Coast Guard pressed them to identify nine Egyptians on board as traffickers. A new video of the overcrowded boat um, at sea also challenges the Greek Coast Guard's account. It was taken when the boat was said to be on a steady course, and the BBC Verify has confirmed the footage was filmed and the coast guard claimed the boat was not in need of rescue the bbc has also confirmed the larger vessel In the background is the oil tanker faithful warrior which had been asked to give supplies to the migrant boat the official greek coast guard account had already been challenged in a bbc verified reports but now it's seen court documents which show serious discrepancies between survivors, witness statements taken by the Coast Guard, and the in-person evidence later presented to a judge. A translator has also come forward with his account of a people-smuggling investigation last year after another group of migrants were rescued by the Coast Guard. He describes how witnesses from that incident were intimidated by the Coast Guard. Legal case collapsed before it could reach trial. Now, the revelations raised fresh questions about how the Greek authorities handle such disasters. Both the Greek Coast Guard and Greek government did not comment and declined BBC's request for an interview. Soon after the 14th June sinking, nine Egyptian men were detained and charged with manslaughter and people smuggling. But two for survivors of the disaster the migrants were silenced and intimidated by Greek authorities after suggesting the coast guards that they have been to blame for the tragedy. Over the past month, allegations have been made that the coast guard used a rope to tow the fishing vessel, causing it to sink. So it's so very stark, um, and there's new allegations um, have brought a twist to the entire story because it's such a huge thing losing 600 uh, migrants, um, but this simply cannot be brushed under the carpet because of the severity of uh, the situation. In other news, um, duty doctors are striking from the five-day strike. Um, They say that the government's refusal to talk ahead of the five-day strike is baffling and frustrating. The health secretary, Steve Barclay, said doctors 35% 35% pay demand was unreasonable and the strike puts patient safety at risk. Thousands of planned appointments are being postponed as emergency and urgent care are prioritised. The strike starts at 7 o'clock on Thursday the 13th of July and ends on at 7 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday the 18th of July. NHS England said anyone who needs care during the strike Use nine 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 or ane in a life-threatening emergency, and for minor health concerns, contact NHS or one 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 online or go to the nearest pharmacy.
0: You know, Shadeb, um, would, Sorry, yeah. but you know, I you know, for, I was since I was a child, I always mm-hmm. thought you know these doctors, these especially these doctors who was um, saving the time only to rescue us or to heal us i always thought they are the real hero and i think you will agree with me because you know my childhood i was brought up with you know this uh, superman cartoons uh the superhero cartoons right but in the uh-huh. end i realized when i was a child still a child that is basically it is these doctors who help us right they are who made the oath to save us and um they are spending the day and night only for the health of us and um It is said in the Holy Quran that whoever saves a life, he has saved the life of a whole mankind. This is the value of a human being is described in the Holy Quran, and you can see why it is very important to have doctors to be ready. And uh, to uh, it is you know in the end it is like they need to support and they should get the support as well. Um, Shazib, I have one news to share as well. As I said, um, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, he met uh, the NATO members. And uh, the BBC has covered this and said that Volodymyr Zelensky may or may not be a Rolling Stones fan. But after this NATO summit, he is probably familiar with the song entitled You Can't Always Get What You Want. I don't know, uh, uh, Shadi, are you a Rolling Stones fan?
1: I mean, I'm not. I, I don't think I am. But I know what this is a reference to. I think last night... Um our defense minister uh, Ben Wallace um, made a statement a joint statement with the American counterpart mm. whereby they asked for a, a bit of gratitude um from the Ukrainian president because of all the support i mean the British government to date, has spent six billion with a B pounds um supporting the Ukraine efforts um, against the Russians we're second internationally um although america hasn't spent around 45 or 46 billion dollars but in any case so that's why they probably um they, they sort of made this sort of uh, comment here in reference to running stones song but that's the um predicament they they're asking for gratitude um from the ukrainians which i think is i think is correct um because all the supplies that we have issued to to such an extent you know our listeners will be stunned to hear this but our own ammunition supply within the UK Mm. um, dropped to such levels whereby you know these conversations were starting um, where we needed to um, restock if you want uh, our levels because of all um, the support that we were giving over there so that's currently been, I think, another very key headline in morning papers too. Uh,
0: you know the thing that you know about the war, like you know, of course, I'm not taking a side. i do not taking a side of Russian, but I think um, we should, the NATO should listen to the Russian as well, because there was an agreement in 1992 that those um, previous Soviet countries like Poland, Ukraine, as well were told not to join the nato and this was an agreement and everyone agreed on that now we see the 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 opposite that these countries most of these countries already joined nato and ukraine is the only only country left and i think to end the war you know you can end you can end the war very quickly because all of these people are adults right they are not children they know that if Biden agrees not to uh, let Ukraine join the NATO and support them in a different way, the war would be over. I mean, Russia has nothing against it when uh, Ukraine joins the European Union. They can do so, and they will get a lot of support from the European Union, but they don't want uh, Ukraine to join the NATO because this was an agreement made almost 31 years ago. And uh, it is, as I said, there are two parties, and I believe both of them, have done mistakes, and uh, as I said, adults they come come together, right? They are children they can speak. And I, you know, I have this firm belief that everything you can you can resolve everything while sitting on a table and speaking to each other instead of waging war in, to another country. Because this is, you know, uh, Shahid, we have seen. If you look in the history of humanity, we have seen so many wars, and it is so strange that we haven't learned anything from the past. We are still doing so the I same try. mistakes which we, which were done by our by our ancestors, and this is very sad. Um, we're living now in the uh, tw- we living in the year 2023 and st- we are still committing the same crime which were happened which happened like oh, thousand wow. years ago. So, um, m- if, my, you know, If I,
1: yeah, sure. If I can sure. just interrupt because you're making some very valid points. But I guess the human nature is human nature. Um, whenever we think we've evolved or become civilized you know our innate abilities or our innate um, characteristics take over and you see i think it's less history repeating ourselves as more humans being humans on the point that you mentioned that you know the the two can be reconciled you know from where we currently see things um i was listening to an interview yesterday Mm. by I think Sir Tom, uh, a retired major in the army, I forget his name. Um, And he was saying that he thinks that we'll be in the same position next year, where Ukraine and Russia are still very much so um, at each other's throats. Um, And, but on the other hand, you know, there's Trump, he is running for um, the president in America, the campaign there, and he's saying that if give he if he had the opportunity to become the president that he can finish this war within twenty four hours. So that is one statement, you know, take it for what you want. But because there's so much at stake, um it, you talked about NATO also. Um mm. there's an Article five in NATO whereby this is the most worrying thing. I'm not sure if our listeners are aware. If one NATO state is under threat hmm. and goes to war then article 5 dictates that each NATO state has to rush towards the defense of that country
0: now so basically they are like one country and with one country is attacked and the other countries just join the war they defend, defend exactly yes
1: um, and that's the worrying thing if we fast-track Ukraine into NATO and there's a path outlined them to join NATO then effectively what will happen is that all of the NATO states will be involved in this war and nobody wants to commit to such basically um, no, nobody wants to see
0: like American Russian fighting exactly
1: exactly because currently it's a proxy war um, that's what Zelensky is saying you know he's doing the West's bidding by by taking on Russia um, but that's a, that's a worrying thing, and that's probably why they they haven't been given an exact track to follow to join NATO as such. That's why Zelensky is asking for um, you know an exact pathway so they can be um, they can join NATO pretty quickly. So these are the, the things that need to be sort of um, like, uh, taken into consider- consideration because of the stakes. But um, I guess only time will tell.
0: Where things do end up, but you know, Shazab, um, his holiness, may Allah be his helper, he has talked about this matter a lot and he has given basic guidance through the Islamic teachings as well. He talked about the ego, mm-hmm. you know, that you need to keep your ego away if you want to go for world peace. And I think this is very important as well because ego to beat your own ego is very difficult, and uh, if you start doing that in a young age, it com- obviously it will become much easier for you if you're uh, if you are grown up. To beat your ego, but here, this only has stated that point many times. That for the betterment of the future, for our future, for the world, mm. the world leaders they need to put their ego aside and then should look f- f- for the world, for the betterment, for the whole world, what to do and what step they can take to make sure the secure security. Because um, right now we having the war in Europe and no one is secure and uh, it is very dangerous to think of what will happen in the future if this war still carries on and uh, his holiness he has warned the world about that as well about um an immense war which can come if we don't stop if we don't reconcile if we just don't realize the mistakes and if we don't just don't realize uh, the danger which we are right now and so it is important that the leaders should also listen to His Holiness, um, who has spoken in many many parliaments as well, and he's spoken about this topic as well. And you know, one thing he said once, which I always remind people as well that in Islam, God has described Himself as Salam, right, which means the uh, which means peace basically, the, uh, the 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 maintainer of peace. And he said that for a true Muslim. Right, someone who follows the teaching of Islam, he will always try to follow that particular attribute, but also will, you know, not only will try to follow it, but also will try to make people f- uh, to understand this point of, or to, to make t- to understand this attribute of Allah of Salam, because in the end we are committed to that as well. Um, even though, if we we just normal, uh, even though if we are just a uh, civilian still, in the end we we live in the same place, and we need to bring peace in our society. If we start in our society, society. It, it will obviously grow, and then more society will join us as well so as well' only that he has given many many guidance how to maintain peace basically and you know the amazing thing is about this is this all the guidance he gave is basically from the teachings of Holy Quran, and a lot of people have acknowledged that as well he they have acknowledged him as. The, uh, the master of peace or the champion of peace and everything he said dear listeners uh, you can listen to these his um, speeches on YouTube as well everything he said is according to the teachings of the Holy Quran according to the practice of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and this is basically he basically described also the true picture of a Muslim that a Muslim will always try to maintain peace in his society and will always try that people would follow him as well in the same way uh dear listeners um we will go now for a short break but uh, we will be back do me a favor don't go anywhere and stay tuned with the voice of islam radio writings of the promised messiah alayhi god almighty has bound up belief in his own existence with belief in his messengers the reason for this is that man is invested with the capacity of believing in the unity of god a stone is invested with the capacity of flaring up, and a messenger is like the flint which elicits the spark from the stone by striking it. It is, therefore, not possible that without the flint, that is to say, without a divine messenger, the spark of the unity of God may be ignited in a human heart. It is only a divine messenger who brings down tawhid, belief in the unity of God. Upon the earth, and it is achieved only through Him. God is hidden and displays His countenance only through our Messenger. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, Ever Merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. My name is Shah Mun Ahmed, and um, I'm your host alongside with Battar and uh, Shadeb. Um, we're coming now to our first segment, which is very interesting because it's about exercise. We will talk about how exercise helps us to stay healthy, but also how to improve our spiritual condition. But before, before you know, before I go to like the first segment, um, Sharif, what is your favorite exercise? What do you do? Not, uh, what's your daily routine? What sports do you like to do?
1: Well. It's a very good question, because I think speaking about exercise um, can never be underrated. Mm. Um, the more we speak about it, the more emphasis is um, you know given to it. My personal sort of challenge is trying to and I guess this is this excuse is as old as a time trying to find time really mm-hmm. um, to to make it part of your routine. But what I try to do at least is, at the bare minimum, is go for a walk in the park um, for at least uh, 20 to 25 minutes. And aside of that, um, we have a uh, weekly session of football, um, which is, I think, on Fridays, Friday evenings, um, which is also, I guess, very much so helpful. Um, and now, because I think... <laughs> Um, with um, our routine in terms of mm. having somewhat uh, spare time, um, what I've sort of managed to um, make is um, um very. I think recently, um, in fact, I have joined a gym. So making sure that at least I, you know, I go to the gym um, or try to go to the gym once a day. Or around 40 odd minutes, um, and yeah, make sure that we do look after our temple, our body. Should so, they, that I, there is long term.
0: I have joined the gym as well uh, a few years ago, and believe me or not, it is very difficult to get time out during the day. So, what I've done is I mm-hmm. go straight after the morning prayer, which is let's say half five, mm-hmm. no, half five, five, yeah. four. Uh, but it's good um, because the gym is empty as well and you um you got mm. to, like time for yourself as well and I would recommend to you you should use the stem uh, masters it's very good it keeps you uh, oh your I've heard. yeah it, it proves your uh, stamina as well and to our listeners, um, I want to, listen, uh, want to hear from you what exercise you do, what is your favorite exercise, and what exercise you will recommend. The number is 20 86877878, or you can tweet us at UK. Sadeb, I'm um, now talking about exercise. Uh, our first segment is about a special exercise, I believe.
1: Yes, indeed. Our first segment is about yoga and pilates in modern-day sports. So the gist of the story really is mm-hmm. that for many years yoga and pilates has often uh, been associated with women as a recreational activity however contemporary sports people have returned their focus to these exercises in an attempt to improve and prolong their performance at the highest level and some of the most famous athletes in their own sports have opted to take up yoga and pilates for a number of different reasons.
0: And Shadip, I think, you know, uh, because we are talking about yoga and Pilates, it's very important to mention that Islam has always emphasized to do sports because this helps us to increase our spiritual condition as well. And, you know, um, you just talk about different athletes from different sports who do yoga. I know, for example, that Tiger Woods and Cristiano Ronaldo and Eddie Murray, both are playing different sports, are doing yoga and Pilates as well. Um, you know, there are some people who do, like, they have one special sport, which they do every day, and then they take another sport as well just to keep themselves more fit. You know, from um I know someone who's very old, lives in Germany, right? And he is very um fit and very healthy as well. One day, because he's very old, he's he thought that his body has reached a limit. So he wanted to beat his body, to explain his body that he can do some more. So what he did is he joined a boxing club and there he learned to how to how to box but he told me that during the box like during the session during the training his coach he basically he he said he he destroyed his whole body in the sense that he pushed his body to a limit and then when he reached a limit he was able to know how to cross the limit as well without destroying his body, but to make sure that to, to play in his body that you can do basically more. So, you know, there are these athletes and footballers, uh, tennis players, uh, golf players as well, who just to improve their health and stamina as well. They do yoga and uh, these exercises as well. But Shazib, I always thought that yoga and Pilates are the same thing. Are there any difference between those two things?
1: Well, it's a very interesting thing. I think most people think that yoga and Pilates are the same. But Pilates is known as a workout
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yoga um, as a practice. Though both are, in fact, considered excellent workouts. Interesting, you mentioned Germany. Um, mm-hmm. Pilates was founded in uh, Düsseldorf, Germany in 1880 by Joseph H. Pilates. Um, and the Pilates started the workout due to suffering from asthma. And uh, magic fever in childhood, and therefore was determined to find healing through Eastern and Western forms of exercise, including yoga and ancient Greek and Roman exercise regimes. And he then went on to becoming a wrestler, a diver, and a gymnast, and was even asked to model for uh, anatomical charts.
0: What is interesting then? I
1: know it's very interesting. I mean,
0: Pilate has opened so many ways for him. Then,
1: exactly, you know, he opened the door to this very interesting uh, practice. Um, and after encountering uh, wounded soldiers that became disabled during the First World War, Pilate is interestingly enough he he began making machines mm-hmm. from the springs of old hospital beds. Uh, to help in the rehabilitation process and these machines were the very prototypes of the specialized equipment used in Pilates today um, which use pulleys and springs as resistance to build strength and increase overall flexibility in the spine and limbs and this specialized equipment consists of the reformer Uh, Cadillac wonder chair and barrels facilitating and creating a body that is sculpted powerful and biomechanically efficient.
0: You know um, Shadeb it's very interesting what you just said about Pilates himself and like how he just during his suffering how he improved his health through yoga and Pilates as well. while you were explaining that, um I just googled how many athletes we have, or how many famous athletes we have, who are doing yoga and pilates as well. And as I said before, Andy Murray is one of them. And he said that I'm pretty flexible for a tennis player. Yoga has helped a lot with my fitness and mental strength. And then we have uh, Maria Sharapova as well, a, f- a former tennis player, who says, I go to yoga classes and walk on my core. And then, of course, as I said before, Cristiano Ronaldo, we have uh, uh, as well, um, Ryan Giggs. So there are basically many, many athletes who are doing yoga. And it's very interesting. I want to know why. What if, like, I mean, you just explained it's health, but I want to learn more about yoga and Pilates because it's getting interesting for me as well. And to do so, dear listeners, we have now a very interesting guest as well. Her name is Diana O'Reilly. She's originally from Toronto, Canada. And uh, was she was introduced to yoga after having... Children, primary uh, children. uh, Sorry, she was introduced to yoga after having children, uh, primarily using it as a tool to improve physical fitness. It soon became a vital component in her life. After moving to South Wales in 2004, Diana's passion for yoga blossomed and she trained to become a yoga teacher with the British Wheel of Yoga. Now, she uh, has been a teacher of yoga for 17 years and trains teachers on BWY Foundation causes. Now, Originally volunteering for the Wales Festival Committee for the BWY, Diana later became the area representative for Mid and West Wales in 2018. She then took on the post of regional officer for Wales in June 2020. Now Diana was elected as BWY chair in February 2022 and now plays a central role in supporting yoga teachers and practitioners across the UK. Diana, um, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. Diana, um, B-Y, BWY, mm-hmm. I don't want to know about this foundation and you, because you were elected as the chair in 2022. And can you also tell us a bit more about the position and how it came about?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, the BWY actually was created in 1965. And uh, started its first teacher training course in 1970, and that's when yoga really started to blossom. And and it's a it's a members organisation. We have 5,000 plus members, uh, many of them are teachers, yoga teachers. Anyway, those uh, those members elected me to be chair in 2022, and myself along with the other trustees who make up the board of directors for the British Wheel of Yoga now work to promote yoga throughout the UK and and really want to get yoga into areas of society that perhaps don't get as much access to yoga Um, for instance you know I love the idea of yoga for carers and things like that so that's the kind of work we're trying to do as well as having a you know a superb teacher training program so that the yoga teachers that go out there to the communities are really good teachers
0: interesting um diana um i just uh, before um, um i just invited you to the show um i was reading about famous athletes who are starting doing yoga as well um how like we have football player we have tennis players we have um uh, rugby players as well who do yoga how can yoga help other athletes in a different uh space different sports art as well
2: yeah, well, yoga is really interesting because it's such a complement to sport. It's not necessarily a sport itself. It's a it's a path to well-being, and that well-being is holistic. So we're talking about not only the body, but the mind and the spirit. And so for somebody who's going to play a sport, one, it increases their mobility. It increases their mobility by creating a balance between flexibility and strength. You know, a, a sport or an athlete doesn't need to put his leg behind his head and indeed he or she wouldn't want to but um, they want enough mobility to Mm -hmm. be able to support themselves through strength but also have the flexibility to have to be able to move into the sport and because yoga has such a myriad of postures to do it creates the recruitment of muscles all over the body so there's no muscle that's really left alone in yoga Uh, So when they're recruiting the muscles to do their sport, they have access to all of the muscles in the body and the support of all of those muscles. So for instance, we might do a posture that seemingly has to do with the arms, and yet we might come into it through our feet. We might come into it through the pelvic floor, um, which would be considered an energy lock in yoga. So uh, that kind of holistic approach to movement is supportive to athletes. And it also creates breath work, it creates concentration, it creates balance. Um, So I think all of those things are are so helpful in doing any kind of sport.
1: Indeed. Um, And Diana, what is it like for you to teach yoga to other people? Um, And how do you think you can get more people to do it?
2: Well, I mean, to teach yoga is an incredible privilege because I'm passionate about yoga and to be able to stand up in front of people and share it is is wonderful. I mean, I love teaching yoga. And, and what happens in a class is that people are, you know, they shift. They shift into the best version of themselves because things happen during the class. They calm down. They let their troubles go. It's not as if, the troubles in their life aren't still there when they leave the yoga class, but they've changed. You know, they they see their, their life with a, in a calmer perspective, in a perspective perhaps with more strength. You know, they've gained strength during a yoga class, so they take that out the rest of their life. They've gained a the flexibility in perhaps the way they see their life, and they take that out. So by the end of the yoga class, they're in great shape. And so I'm, you know, I get to be surrounded by wonderful people when I teach. And, and you know, to be able to, um, to share it and to feel that kind of energy of other people is really a privilege. But how to get more people to do yoga, I think the way you do it is to, <clears throat> you know, if, we, if the British Wheel of Yoga says, how can we get more people to do yoga? We have to have really good yoga teachers. You know, because many of my classes... Are filled with people who have learned about yoga through word of mouth and and I think that's true of many other teachers sure we have to advertise but it's when people say God I really love going to my yoga class it's done wonderful things for me that's when um, yoga spreads and so we have to have good teachers we have to have well-trained teachers and we have to have an authenticity when we walk into a class we can't sort of say well I'm going to teach you yoga but I'm not going to do it myself You know yeah it's nice but I'm not gonna so when we're authentic people can feel that and and we're excited about the practice of yoga Um, and then we can bring that to the world but I do think also for the British Wheel of Yoga it is a question of working hard to get yoga to penetrate into communities that wouldn't otherwise do it you know people with certain perhaps certain conditions might find access to yoga very difficult you know, so we want to promote yoga for people, for instance, patients of can- cancer. Uh, and I was, as I was saying, yoga for carers, yoga for older people. That's that's a big mission with the BWY. And to bring mm-hmm. it to all economic aspects of society so people from every echelon can can go to a good yoga class that's taught by a teacher that's passionate about what they do.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's... I think. That's no, a very good approach um, because, I mean, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but you know, we've always sort of aligned yoga with perhaps um, dare I say the middle class or at least the upper class, um, yeah. perhaps um, you know, areas which are somewhat. Um, you know, not as bachelor perhaps don't have the opportunities um, and exactly. yoga perhaps is a part of their routine um, that takes me on to ask you another question um, you know we've all read that yoga does indeed make us happy and it helps us balance um, both a body and mind and indeed soul but how exactly is this possible and, and, and what extent does one's own mindset play a role in this
2: well, it's interesting yoga is you know a lot of yoga teachers go back to this classical text that basically wrote down the structure of yoga and it said yoga is made up of eight they call them limbs Um, first of all ethical codes of behavior things like truthfulness non-stealing non-harming self-care self-study so um you know, a good yoga teacher will have that framework within which they teach so that the words they use create an environment that's not competitive. So people can come in and in a world that is very competitive, they can let go. And so then they we do posture work. That's the, that's the third limb in this sequence. We do breath work. That's the fourth limb. And then we do meditation. And for a class to be structured that way, you know it's not a coincidence that all of those aspects are brought into a class and, and I might put some meditation at the beginning but then I have to you know also make sure that throughout the class there's some meditation going on as well and there's almost like a magic it's like an alchemy that's created that allows people to to affect their their body and their mind but also their spirit in the sense that they're uplifted when they do the yoga class and We know about brain plasticity now. We know that we change. We know that, for instance, the cells in our body now carry our emotions. So if we can, for instance, release in the muscles of our body, we might release some of that, perhaps, body history that we carry, emotional history that we might have carried in our body. We start to release, we start to let go, we start to have a little bit more freedom, not just in movement, but just in the way we can conduct our lives. And and that makes us happy. You know, that gives us... um, you know, a perspective in our life that sustains us and um, and allows us to cope to cope with some of the you know the the challenges in our life. So I think it's there's it's it's uh, yoga classes are quite structured in that aspect. It, you know, a good yoga class, a good teacher that's been um, trained in these eight limbs of yoga will know how to bring about that alchemy in the class to make people happy. And then, of course, it goes out of the class. They live their life in a different way.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Diana, just one question. Um, if you can explain what is the difference between yoga and meditation?
2: Uh, well, meditation is a component of yoga. and med- but, so uh, But yoga includes posture work, it includes breath work yeah so um, as, and it includes the codes of behavior so as I said you know you've got those eight components so you two codes different codes of behavior one code you do with society the other code you do with yourself um, uh, posture work breath work and mm. then four stages of meditation so uh, that would be the difference that meditation per se doesn't include necessarily posture work
0: and just one last question as well um often I've heard that yoga and Hinduism or the religion of Hinduism is the same uh, what relationship has yoga with the Hindu religion
2: well I think that the the philosophies in India um, they then grew into yoga you know the, the yoga started to be sort of emer- emerged from the Vedic era in India so that was northern India at that time um, and then it it's really the Samkhya philosophy in India that is the sister philosophy to yoga. Um, So that's the, if there is an association with Hinduism, that is it. But interestingly, there was so much go-between of different communities in India over the thousands of years that created yoga that there are many influences in yoga. Indeed, you know, we have, obviously, we have the Buddhist influence in yoga. We have the Hindu cultures that influenced yoga in terms of the philosophies. But there's a strong Islamic influence in yoga because there were such affluent communities, uh, Islamic communities in India at that time Mm. as well. And and this is actually, this is something for our next interview that we'll do because I really want to find out how, you know, there were prosperous Islamic communities that uh, sponsored yoga sects in India. And I'd really like to know how their philosophies of life Influenced yoga because I'm sure they did in some ways. So um, you can't just say, although I know some people want to, that yoga is aligned simply to Hinduism. It just isn't the case.
0: Now you yeah. got you got my interest now, Diana, because you just mentioned about this the uh, religion of Islam as well, and um, so. I think that sh- we shouldn't make another uh, show in regards of this as well, where we can invite you as well as a guest, and we can talk about how yoga and the relationship between yoga and Islam as well and because yeah. it's very interesting it's, it's with this. A real I- debate, isn't it yeah, it is um yeah, um, I really appreciate your time as well but uh, it was very interesting listening to you again, and I hope we can do another show with you and we can talk about yoga and Islam as well, where we can have you as a guest That'd again. Be-
2: That'd be great. Oh, can I say one more thing? Sure, sure. For anybody who who wants to start yoga, it's really important to shop around. I know so many people who say to me, oh, I tried yoga and I didn't really like it too much. And it's often because it's a teacher that doesn't resonate with them. It's a level of the class that doesn't suit them. It's a time that's difficult. So do shop around for your perfect yoga teacher and then it will be wonderful. So I just want to leave on that. Yeah. Amazing. Thank
0: Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, dear listeners, you just listened to Diana O'Reilly, who is a teacher of yoga, and interesting what, he sh- what she said, Shazib, um, about yoga. I mean, there are so many things you didn't know about it. You have heard the name, and you, you thought, okay, this is maybe this and this and this, but in the end, there are more than just these few words. It's impressing what she just mentioned about yoga.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, it's very interesting.
0: Uh, and, and especially, that... you know, in the end, sorry, but in the end when she said, like, islam because you know um when when while we are praying it is kind of yoga as well right uh, it's going down coming up again but you know, um, using the muscles and, and the bones as well in the sense, um, it is interesting, uh, Shadib, um, about yoga. And, uh, the listeners, um, sorry, Shadeb, I know you, you just want to say something, but we are coming very close to the eight o'clock news. So the listeners, uh, we're going now for a short break, but do me a favor, stay tuned with the I'm ready because there's a lot of things we can, we want to discuss with you as well. Do me a favor, if you have any question, or if you want to be part of the show, you can call in anytime. The number is 0208 877-878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We're going now for the short break, and we will be back after the uh, nine o'clock news. Uh-huh.
3: You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. My name is Shamir Ahmed and I'm here joined with Shade Battar. And dear listeners, we were talking with uh, Diana O'Reilly uh, Diana about yoga, about the importance of yoga and why yoga keeps you happy and healthy. Um Shadib, um Islam is basically, people believe Islam is a religion right it's just teaching you how to pray how to um listen or how to yeah listen to Allah's mm-hmm. commandment etc but Allah has also told us that we should keep ourselves healthy as well we should keep look after our body as well etc um Okay, what is like basic? What is Kran saying in regards of this? Because it, I think um, our spiritual life is much uh, uh, linked with uh, our fitness as well.
1: That's very well put. You know, our spirituality has a huge, um, there's a huge emphasis on our spirituality, but mm-hmm. similarly and equally, um, our physical um, well-being is also very much so important of the two are linked you know a lowly mighty early ground states "O children of adam look to your adornment at every time and place of worship and eat and drink but exceed not the bounds surely he does not love those who exceed the bounds chapter 7 verse 32 and I guess this shows us a very profound teaching mm. where in anything, in everything that we do, we must always make sure, as Muslims at least, we remain very much so within the bounds. So whether that's the consumption of food or whether that's to do with um, perhaps any other thing. That because it's pertinent to the topic at hand, exercise, we'll keep it to exercise, uh, and making sure that we remain within the bounds, we remain within our limits, and you know we take care of ourselves, um, and that's the teachings that we find within the Holy Quran—a very prudent teaching.
0: You know, um Father, the amazing thing, the verse you just mentioned—it's it's basically a very simple verse, but so many topics are just mentioned into the verse as well. Mm-hmm. You already explained it very beautifully as well. Shazib, um of course uh you just meant said that uh, you meant uh, explained it as well but do we have any examples as well? Like, do we? did the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did he do some fitness, did he do some sports as well? What about the Messiah and what about the current Caliph? Because we have heard many, many stories about that, and I'm sure that our listeners, they want to hear more about it, how the Prophet of Islam, how he did fitness, what fitness he used to do, and how he kept, him, kept himself active as well.
1: Of course, our Prophet, the founder of our religion of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace of of Allah be upon him led an example of life. Hmm. Um, you know he practiced what he taught. Okay. And you know, in terms of physically remaining in a pristine state and condition, we find that the early prophet, peace of blessing of Allah be upon him, hiked up mountains. Oh amazing. And mind mind you, without the comfort of modern and well maintained parts and equipment and he did so in search of solitude to worship and you know all of us will be aware of the fact that he participated in defensive battles um, and fighting in the fiercest of areas of war
0: I got a few questions now you said he hiked um, up mountains um, doing you know doing the pilgrimage we go to the birthplace of the Holy Prophet, him. we also visit mm-hmm. certain areas as well. And there's this particular um, mountain, uh, Hira, where he used to go and uh, uh, where he used to go alone and where he would meditate, where he would worship Allah in his own way in, the, in, the, in this particular cave in, in the mountain of Hira. A lot of people have tried to climb that mountain during the pilgrimage, uh, young people as well. Uh, and I've heard it's not easy. It's very difficult.
1: That's correct, I mean, although it's not an essential part of the pilgrimage, but because um our our noble and mm. a blessed prophet of Allah went to such a place, then I guess people do want to visit those places and, and why not and you know I've seen because I've had the opportunity to to visit this blessed land wow, amazing the this the sort of gradient um and the height to which um this cave lies um, and the path is not an easy one uh, mind you they have made it easier now than perhaps what it was you know those many years back but it just shows you the resilience and fortitude that our blessed prophet had um in trying to attain allah
0: should they- you spoke about trying to attain Allah. The first revelation he got was in the age of 40 years old, right? This is the age where people think, okay, I'm old. No, but the revelation he got was basically in this mountain where you just said it's very difficult to climb. So we what I understand is that even in this age, he was very active and he would look after his house as well. And... Um, you have mentioned wars as well, right, uh, where he had to go defense Islam, but not only Islam, but also other By like, as is mentioned in the Holy Quran, that Muslim basically tried to defend synagogues, churches, and other places mm. of worship before they were told to defend their own mosque by the enemy. So... um these these wars happened like f- ten years after the, the, the first revelation, where he was fifty years old. This is the age where again people think I can't do it anymore, but he showed a different. Like he, showed, he was still very active, and it is it said by his companions that he would fight in the front line. He wouldn't hide himself, but he would be in the front line as well, fighting, defending uh, other people with his own life. And he, the listeners. The reason I'm focusing on that thing is that his age was above 50 and still he showed us the example that you still can do a lot. You can even go for a war if you have to. If you have to defend your people, then you can do so. Age, I think, what I can learn from the life of the Holy Prophet, people upon him, um Shazib correct me if I'm wrong, uh, age doesn't matter if it comes to physical health.
1: Of course, it's a mental state, you know. Um, that's why we find so many characteristics within our blessed prophet. You know, he, he not only was um, a liberator or a champion for all sorts of freedom, mm.
0: um,
1: but also similarly, you know, his life is a role model life. We can learn there are multifacets. It's a multifaceted life. Um, you know, that everybody can up on various things you know this is just one aspect his physical exercise or his physical well-being should we say um, and it just shows you that this prophet of Allah was indeed um, the seal of the prophets um, he was the, the greatest prophet to ever walk the lands because of because of how perfect he was um, and you know this this element here that we're talking about it's just one element of a number of different elements um, and a number of different attributes that this, that this Prophet of Allah possessed. Um, there is one saying that the Holy Prophet declared, which was A strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than a weak believer.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: And there is good in everyone.
0: Interesting. So basically, and, you know the saying you just used is basically also a motivation for us that we should do more. We should be more mm. active and healthy. Yeah. So Islam, like what you just said, and it's very amazing what you just said. Islam is just not a religion. Islam is basically guidance for us as well, how to keep, uh, how to look after our physical health as well, and that we should follow the model of the Holy Prophet peace upon him and try to be active even in his age as he used to be. Um, uh, and um, especially, you know, this this last um, um, uh, um, saying you just said that um, a strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than a weak believer, and there is good in everyone. Um, once you know, um, I was explaining this to someone, and he, this person he was about to open a gym, and he asked me to give the reference of this saying, and I said this is the saying of the Prophet of Islam, because he wanted in his gym. He wanted to add this saying in his gym because mm-hmm. he wanted to motivate people in this sense as well that, listen, this is a religious, spiritual father for a lot of people, but he also looked after his health and he motivated other people as well. So, you you, listen, you can see that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, not only acted, but also he tried to motivate his companions to do the same as well, to stay active as well. Ashadab, for example, um I remember when, when he migrated to Medina, he was... 50 years old or above and the first thing he did he built the mosque with his own hands of course he was helped by his companion but this is also a very difficult task and for yeah. someone in his age it's very difficult as well and I remember he raised his wife as well uh, when he was like already qu- quite old uh, and increased uh, like he was quite old and his wife was still young but he beat her once during the race so um um this is very amazing um, but um because uh, this is what um, i wanted to stress about as well that islam sports and spirituality is basically the same and think that um i know that uh not only the holy prophet peace <laughs> be upon him but also the problem side the founder of the Ahmadiyya muslim community he used to do sports as well and he was very active as well um, Shadib, um we have different um, auxiliary organizations here in our community as well. Um, how do we try to keep our youth but also our elderly people uh, fit? How do we motivate them to look after their body?
1: It's a very good question. The fact is that we, as the Amaliyah Muslim Association, um, have a very, very robust system in place whereby our youth um uh, which is referred to as Khudam or the servants of Ahmadiyyad. They it's an auxiliary organization so it's it's part of the community but actually it's just um a collective a group of um young males whereby they are invoked um to make sure that they should not um you know uh, become lazy Um, they're always uh, interacting with the community's efforts and and are partaking Um, as we can all imagine that you know the youth are indeed the future and therefore their participation and interaction is vital in the progression of any society really and none so other and you know our community in fact, um, the gentleman who uh, established um, this auxiliary was uh, the second caliph of the Amdeya Muslim community, his mm. mm-hmm. Hazrat Izzab Bishiruddin Marita Lanho. And he said, and I quote, despite the fact that the promised Messiah was averse to the world, He was by no means lazy. Rather, he was extremely hardworking, and though he loved being alone, he would never be agitated by physical hard work. And that's, I think, a message that all of us can resonate with, you know, making sure that we do partake in physical and intense, laborious work, So that we are up to the par, um, and indeed, given any circumstance, um, we can sort of um, compete. And in fact, His Holiness, the current and fifth canon of the Amity and community, um, also an advocate for exercise and indeed making sure that we do have an arm in great physical shape, said that. Maintaining physical health and fitness was important for all missionaries of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And he gave the example of how the promised Messiah, the Peace, himself used to regularly take exercise in the form of long walks. And his owner said that sports were also a good way of engaging the youth. And so our young missionaries should participate other youths in sports, exercise after revenge. This was said, I think, at the, at the annual sports competition that um, the Institute of um, Theology and Modern Languages Um
0: And, and you know, so sh- sh- um, uh, the, the problem Salah the founder of the Amidim Muslim community, Everything, obviously, he did. He he did it in because in the favor, of <coughs> only to please Allah and to follow His command. And this is, this is one thing I've learned from him that he would make sure that his followers, his community, would follow every command of Allah the Almighty as well. As he said that this is also um, what it means to be righteous. And he said once, when I sit in public or go for a walk or en- and engage in discussion with others, I do it all of this out of obedience to, to the commands of Allah almighty so there was no show of, basically the thing is that um uh, he just wanted to be active only to so he can please Allah more and he could do serve Allah's uh, religion mm-hmm. more and uh, i think in the end it comes back to that point that whatever we do whatever we do we should do it for Allah right we should do it for, to please him to because in the end he gave us the feats the hands as well, the mind as well, to do more. And uh, we should be thankful to that and we should pay. We should try to pay. Of course, we can't. But at least what the minimum we can do is to stay physical health. Uh, um, uh, physic, uh, f- f- uh, stay healthy as well. Um, dear listeners, um, health or sports, it is all of very important. Good food, healthy food is important as well. Um, again, I want to know from you what exercise you do uh, or what language you speak because the next top next topic is going to be about language. I want to know what ethnic group you are from. The listeners, you can call in anytime. The number is 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet it as a voice of some UK. So they, you know, the amazing thing you just mentioned is very amazing and it's, I think um, something we should think about it as well. We should ponder about these things as well and we should try to adopt these things but Dolly Prophet Peace Upon Him has showed us or the promisionalist showed us as well. And one thing, Shadir, before we go for a short break, Shade, I just want to say, uh, his audience told me once that, when he was in Holland, and you know, you, you can agree with me, that his time is very busy. Every second is very important, and very busy. But he said that he at least, would go for, riding, for 45 minutes. So he would ride a bike, for at least 45 minutes every day, when he was in Holland. And, uh, this is very important as well because swimming and riding are those tools which I recommend to everyone as well, especially those who are getting older to keep themselves healthy and uh, to keep themselves active as well. They should do s- swimming and riding as well. Um, Shalib, you, if you want to add something, if not, then I think we should go for a short break. What do you think?
1: Yes, yeah, of course, let's do it,
0: yeah. Right, dear listeners, Um, we go for a short break. I'll be back. Uh, in a short time. Do me a favor, stay tuned with The Voice of Islam Radio and don't go anywhere.
3: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB the internet, 24 hours a day.
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to The Breakfast Show. My name is Shahmir Ahmed, and I'm joined here with Shadeb Batar. Shadeb, um, we come now uh, to the second topic, which is your brain wires itself to match your native language. Shadeb, how many languages do you know?
1: I think I can say I know at least two languages perhaps third
0: okay and this is english and
1: well english and our native mother language and languages Urdu, mm.
0: um
1: which i guess ties in also with with the punjabi because mm. um i have a, a punjabi background um and in terms of reading arabic i guess we're all as muslims I'm savvy to um Reading really the the early so I guess if you do want to add that,
0: that yeah.
1: perhaps also can be added. But in terms of whole languages, I would think I'd s- stick to two.
0: You know, so um, about Urdu, hmm. it is said that this Urdu is the language of 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 an army, or this is what people say because. Very interesting. You know, the the Urdu the name Urdu came basically from the Turkish word, which means army. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I don't know how many centuries ago, but in India at that time, different uh, people from different kingdoms would come together, and they would form an army. But of course, they did not know the language because they would either speak English, Hindi, uh, Portuguese as well, Persian, Arabic etc. For, they need to, of course, for understanding, they had to need to know or they had to, at least one language they couldn't understand. So they formed a language then, which is not, nowadays, known as Urdu. And Urdu, every word of Urdu is taken from a different language. It has, Urdu has not his own, basically, uh, original uh, words. All the wording are taken from different languages. For example, um, uh, in Portuguese, uh, table means mez which is also the uh, same meaning in Urdu as well So there are very interesting th- very interesting, and there are few um, um, wording which we can find in Persian as well in Arabic as well in English as well and of course in Hindi as well and Shadip you know um, when I like of course I've brought up in Germany when I start learning the English language um, for, uh, me for I for example I hadn't that much problem to learn the language, but my Italian uh, classmates, they had a, quite a, a problem to understand the language and to understand the grammar as well. But then when we started learning French, then I realized I have problems to understand the French grammar and to understand the language. But on the other side, my Italian classmates, they, they felt it very easy to understand French and to learn the language. So um, I think... Um, there are few languages which are have uh, some kind of relation with other languages as well, and therefore people are maybe find it easy to understand and to learn different languages. Whereby, there, whereby if the uh, uh, language w- which you have no relation with, or you, you can't uh, you have no link with it, you might have dif- uh, difficulties to understand and to learn. So this is what I've um, observed. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I don't know, but. You said uh, you you, um, you spoke about the Arabic language as well, which is very important in, in Islamic belief as well, because the Holy Quran is revealed in the Arabic language. Um, we will listen. Uh, we will talk about why we should, why it was told to us to learn to read Arabic and and to yeah to read basically Arabic. We also uh, why we learned the Arabic alphabet as well. But before Shazib, Shazib, you will explain, before Shazib will explain this to us, the listeners, um, I want to know from what ethnic group you are, what language you speak. Uh, you can call in any time. The number is 208 or you can teach us the Voice of Islam UK. Shazib, meanwhile, um, the topic is uh, your brain wires itself to match your native language. What is the gist of the story?
1: Well, the language we learn growing up seems to leave a lasting biological imprint on our brains. Um, Wiring patterns seem to reflect grammatical characteristics specific to different languages. Um, And I guess it's very interesting because as we do grow and develop, um, our brain does align itself and wires itself to match our native language, which is you know, mind-boggling, to be honest. Um, and researchers are finding um, and indeed using the example of German and Arabic native speakers. Um, I guess that ties in well with yourself, because you, mm. you know both languages. Um, and they've, what they've done is they've, they've sort of found... Um, by using these two languages as an example regarding the impact of language on the brain um, because language processing in the brain we can imagine is a complex process involving uh, different regions and networks you know this is this is all very technical and all very interesting mm-hmm. um, because of the intricacies um, that lie within um, trying to learn a new language.
0: And um, I think uh, Quran has also emphasized about the significance of different language and communications and understanding, I believe.
1: Of course, yes. Um, in chapter 14, verse 4, a love in mighty states, and we do not send any messenger except speaking the language of his people to state clearly for them so basically this verse highlights the importance of delivering the message of Islam in the language of the people to ensure clear comprehension it's 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 categorical that to articulate a message it needs to be done uh, primarily in a language that the majority can understand. And, you know, what other language um, but the Arabic language, which, you know, is um, very comprehensive. I think I'll give an example. Um, You mentioned maze. I'll do you one better. Mm. The word camera Mm. um, is an English word that we all are familiar with. But our listeners will be interested to know that this is indeed an Arabic word because it can be broken up, and has been broken up, as gama or which is as I see. So it just shows you um, the, the depth that the Arabic language possesses. Um, and that's why the, um, the Holy Quran promotes reflection and understanding through a language And that takes me on to chapter twelve, verse two of the Quran, where it says, "Indeed, we have sent it down as an Arabic Quran, you might understand." Um, And this, you know, again, again, points to the um, uh, the things that I that I was mentioning earlier, um, how you know, an Arabic-speaking audience at the time would understand and comprehend a message in their native language
0: now so this is interesting especially you when I mean, you gave the example of camera as well this is something i didn't know and again um you know uh um since we are children we were told to read the quran we we learned arabic even though it mm. is not our mother tongue but we learned the alphabet we learned than reading the Arabic uh, language as well, we learned how to merge different w- words, uh, w- uh, not words but letters with the other letters, as well, etc. Arabic reading Arabic is different than other languages. What I've came to know, but what I've also known is that in Arabic there the word that basically what I felt is Arabic has few words, but those through these words they've wanted more words or more uh, yeah more meanings. Uh, for example, you know, religion in Arabic it means mother. Mother came from the word dahaba, which means he walked. So basically, um religion means basically in Arabic is a guidance. Yes, it brings you f- forth, or it helps you that you go for or you are looking for. Or you just keep on walking until you reach your spiritual level which you want to reach. So it is a very interesting how languages are basically made of. Um Our you know because. I always thought how people have started talking how oh. it was made how people basically learned to read or to speak this is something very interesting and I think um, uh, even you know researchers are looking into that how language came to a life as well um you you spoke about arabic language and you, you emphasize the importance of the arabic language um uh, I think the holy prophet peace be upon him he said once whoever believes in allah in the last day let him speak goodness or remain silent. This is something you know, um, um, uh, Shahzib. This is what Islam emphasizes as well. If, if you, even though if if you know the language, to make sure that you don't broke break anyone's hearts or feelings, I always try to give him to co- uh, give him good news, nice glad tidings, or to shame him up if if he is feeling sad or if he's going through depression. To make sure that he feels good in your surrounding or in your company. This is one. You know, this is something interesting. What I like in language is that, with basically, language is not a tool. It's not a knife where you can hurt people. But if you say something, it sometimes feels like this that someone has stabbed you with a knife. It leaves a mark in your soul as well. We we know from social media, we get sometimes very bad remarks from, let's say, racist people, from people with hate. Uh, just live with hate and, and you just want to show hate or want to spread hate. So, m- basically, language has uh, has a very big impact in, in our society, in our mind as well. And Arabic language, because we learn the Arabic language, Arabic language has also a very great impact for the Islamic religion as well. Um, I, I, um Sorry, Shazib. Uh, f- for our listeners... Um, can you come like to, to the Islamic perspective that um, why is Arabic so unique? What is the significant position of the Arabic language for us, and of why course, why, why do we learn Arabic in such a young stage, even though we don't sometimes don't understand the meaning of it?
1: On that point, you know, our listeners will be fascinated to know that the Holy Quran
0: mm.
1: is on top of the list. Of books that is read but isn't understood um, because naturally a lot of people don't speak Arabic but do you want to partake in the blessings that do lie within it and I guess it comes to the point that the the reason for this um, is that the holy Grah, um is the primary source of guidance for Muslims um, and it encourages the use of language to understand and reflect upon its message. Now, linguistic eloquence, um, something which Arabic is renowned for, um, both in richness and precision, the Quranic text itself is considered a masterpiece of linguistic beauty um, and literacy uh, excellence. Its intricate word choice, rhetorical devices, and poetic style have captivated scholars and readers throughout history. And, you know, different brain regions are involved in different aspects of language processing, such as recognizing words or perhaps understanding grammar and assigning meaning. But all of these things that do tie in have a profound effect upon the reader. And that is why you'll find that the the what the one reason out of many as to why so before the religion of islam is to do with the book and the core teachings that we have and um, the fact that those teachings have been presented in such an eloquent manner from the Holy God um, and to date you know it's important to note you know, Arabic hold a special status due um, to its association with the Quran you know it's not the other way around um, you know we can't say it's Arabic entirely but it's also in fact the Quran which you know or is indeed Islam which chose Arabic um, and some tigre, um handed out really and the Islamic tradition recognizes that the importance of understanding and conveying the Quran message to people of all languages, too. And that's why the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, here's another point for all of our listeners um, to be aware of, it's the Ahmadiyya Muslim community that has had the opportunity to serve the Quran in the best possible manner.
0: How, you ask?
1: Mm. By translating this very blessed book in over 73 languages, I believe. Uh, how many 73
0: amazing so more than perhaps so dear listeners basically for for the listeners you're saying that if they want to read the holy quran and if they don't understand arabic but they want to understand the holy quran there are 70 more than seventy examples of the holy quran in different uh, different languages uh, which they can go on I believe in alislam.org. it's the website of the Ahmadiyya yeah, community where they, they can, can f-
1: search yeah, al-islam so a-l-islam uh, i-s-l-a-m dot m- org m- um, and you just find the, the Holy Quran tab with it, that website um,
0: and I believe you know there are commentary as well which are also already um, translated into the English language as well uh, we have the five volume commentary which basically explains different verses, verses of the Quran as well and how to understand them as well so uh, it's very inter- interesting um, you know um the Prophet sa'ad islam he also uh, stressed about the importance of the arabic language and but also the importance of, uh, of your own mother tongue he said when you offer your prayer beside the verses of the Quran, which are the word of God, and besides the various prayers taught by the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, which are all in Arabic. Yes? various. Um, um, he said that make all your other prayers in your native tongue, so that the humility and meekness that they are born of may touch your heart. So basically saying that if you speak to God, you should speak in your own language and it is m- pretty much more encouraged by it, because, as he said, this brings more, uh, brings Brings you uh, out your humility as well and depression of expression, your feelings towards God the Almighty as well. Um, Dear listeners, um, we will go now for a short break. uh, But before that, we have a short clip to play as well. Um, Do listen to the clip, and we will uh, we will be back after this short clip.
2: Why is the Holy Quran in Arabic?
3: It had to be some language, and if it were not Arabic, you would ask the same question again. If it were in English, you would say, Why is it in English? So this question is not valid. It had to be some language. Had it not. So whenever a language were to be chosen, you would say, why this language? But Arabic, of course, because this is the most perfect language. It is the mother of all tongues. It's most expressive for the type of subject which is discussed in religion or subjects which are discussed in religion. In the shortest possible words, it conveys uh, vast meanings and uh it contains meanings in a sort of concentrated form so because of this special ability of arabic to express more in less words this language was chosen in particular Hazrat Masihim, wasalam, has also spoken of other possible reasons one particularly is that as has told us that this is the first language revealed by god man did not invent language by himself, he is one of the animals before he learned to speak. According to the Holy Quran, God taught man how to speak. So the first culture was born out of the first language which was taught to man by God. And as such, Hazrat Masih was told by Allah that it was the Arabic which was the chosen language which God taught to human beings. So, because of its importance as such, because it's being the oldest language, because it's being the mother of all tongues, the book which was addressed to the whole of mankind had to be in Arabic. Because Arabic once was the language of the entire mankind. No other language can boast of this. So, that language which justifies to be chosen for address to the entire mankind has to be Arabic.
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. Um, There are only a few minutes remaining, but Shazeb and me, we will try to explain why Arabic is so important for us. And Shahzeeb, you know what? You remember the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him. He proved that Arabic is the mother of all languages. I'm saying it because the clip I just played before, about the fourth caliber, he was asked why the Quran is in Arabic. And he said this question as well because if it would be in another que- uh, language you would ask why isn't this, in this language etc but he said that Arabic is the first language the, language, the mother of all languages and um, even in the Ho- uh, holy quran uh, Allah says that um, all praise is due to Allah the sustainer the beneficent to him belongs all excellence grace and goodness he created man and taught him a plain language and out of one language, he created various languages in different countries, just as he created various colors of mankind. Out of one color, and he made Arabic the mother of all languages, he made it the like of the sun and brightness and lustre. So, he, the Prophet he proved in his book, Minar Rahman, which is basically, means in Arabic, uh, uh, in English, the mother of all languages, th- he proved that Arabic is basically the first language. Uh, and the, uh, uh, it, this language was basically not thought by any human being, but it was thought by Allah. So, the root, it comes back to Allah, God, that he is the one basically who taught us the language and how, taught us how to um, to speak and then how to communicate with the language as well. It is very interesting, um, uh, the Arabic language, for example. Uh, and there are so many things we can learn um. I know that the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, has said that um, we should uh, love the Arabic language because the Holy Prophet, peace upon him, he was from an Arab country. He, you know, he knew the Arabic language and the Quran was revealed into the Arabic uh, language as well. Uh, And uh, so you can see the importance why Arabic language is so important for us and why so many people basically speak the Arabic language. But in Islam, when uh, Islam came to life, first of all, we had Arab-speaking people. Then, of course, other people joined as well from different backgrounds, who could not understand the Arabic language, etc. And then, as you said, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community contributed by um, writing or by producing uh, the Holy Quran with different translations as well, uh, which are available in our website, alislam.org, as well. Um, but again, um, we learn. Arabic, uh, uh, and we learn also for Arabic prayers as well. Is it important to know the translation of these prayers? Oh
1: yeah, of course. Um, I think you can't have one without the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, it's very important that you do try and remember um, because I think taking it a step back, um, our salat, our, our prayer that we offer five daily prayers it's all in the Arabic language um so it's a cornerstone um for any muslim to try and remember the prayer and additionally after they do remember it i think the majority um try and make the effort to try remembering the translation so they know what they're saying because that's equally as important um it's all well and good for us to recite those Arabic statements and words and prayers that our blessed prophet may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him um, informed us of but if we don't make the extra effort in trying to understand what they mean then I think we're not doing it justice as such and well unless you can speak the Arabic language and you you know what you're saying but you know, that's not the case for many people um, that do live in this part of the world. So yes, I think that that's definitely a message um, that we would like to promote um, because it's I think an integral um, and significant part of what it means to be a, a practicing Muslim.
0: Imp- interesting. No, this is important as well because in the end you need to know what you're saying as well and you, how you speak to Allah as well, you need to know what you are basically saying to Allah. Um, you know, Shadeb, um, the Arabic language, the Prophet said that all the languages of the world have come into existence through a process of far reaching change. Yet be, by fully pondering over it and by looking at the operative factors, it clearly appears that the speeches and words of these languages have been transplanted into a variety of shapes and forms from Arabic symbols. Arabic symbols. Now, he also says that Arabic is a single, singular in its attributes, perfect in its root words, wonderful in the charm of its compounds, and uh, captivating in the structural beauty of its sentences. And he, he said, like, there are five points of uh, Arabic excellency, which he mentioned, is that Arabic has a complete organized structure of roots, which is to say that the roots means fully at the needs of human beings. In Arabic, the name of the divine being, the names of the principal constitute parts of the universe of plants, animals, and minerals, etc. Uh, are um, we, uh, very deep and are very good for learning as well. And in addition, and and uh, the addition and the roots of Arabic words are perfectly organized. And he also says that in Arabic expression, words are few but meaning are many. So it's say that Arabic language makes use of alif, which is uh, one letter, and lam, which is a second letter, and nun. So basically, it has m- less words, but the meaning of quite more. And Arabic possesses roots and expression which are the perfect means of portraying the most delicate and deep things of the mind and human ideas. So dear listeners, Arabic is a very interesting language. Um Dear listeners, we have reached the end of the show. Um, if you would like the show, you can listen to it again on SoundCloud. Shazib, thank you f- uh, for your thought for uh, and for your... Um, everything you have done it's very interesting to listen to you as well uh, you are a good expert as well I must say Um also to our producers um, Salia and Halima for and also to our research, research, researchers um, Kashfa Noor uh, Hanish Sajid Waki Khan and Kanta Khan and of course to our tactic team as well, who helped us throughout the show. Dear listeners, again, uh, well, thank you for listening and tuning in. If you want to learn more about Islam, the only thing you can do now is stay tuned with Islam, Voice of Islam Radio. Um, you can, uh, it will broadcast 24 hours. And make sure that you stay healthy as well. May the peace and peace well be with you all.